Hello there, welcome to episode 95 of Nevermind the Bullens, it's your bite-sized Everton podcast and vodcast. I'm a slightly hoarse uh, Mike Peters, uh, which seems appropriate given that today is Grand National Day. In fact, as I record this, uh, they're about to run the race, but the reason I'm slightly hoarse is because of all the shouting and <laughs> at uh, Goodison this afternoon um, with that uh, victory over Manchester United. And I mean, you know, I think priceless Mike not really be overstating it. Massive, particularly in the context of obviously what has happened over the uh, on Wednesday night and uh, the losing the last two, and obviously the defeat against Crystal Palace, particularly the game against Wednesday night, and how utterly sort of battle weary the players looked, and how you know disconsolate they were at the final whistle, and the sort of the, the ramifications of that result, which we looked studied in depth in um, in episode ninety four, and. Um, uh, you know, today there was clearly palpable tension around the ground from the get-go. Um, the uh, again, the you know program notes from Seamus Coleman and Frank Lampard were saying, you know, we need you to get behind us. In fact, Seamus Coleman said, "We've said this so many times, don't even need to say it again." Really, was the sort of the the gist of what he said, um, uh, and, and it proved to be the case. I mean, it was a really very average game. I mean, I've, I, I, Manchester United—that's probably the worst Manchester United display I have seen. Goodison Park in all of my years of, of watching United watching some great United teams but this is just a really dispirited lacklustre um, sort of bunch of players who clearly aren't playing for the manager are waiting they've got the feet up already they sort of know that they're not really going to finish in the top four even though the mathematics are actually I would say in their favour but they're still very much in with the shout but there was just no energy no um uh, no sort of impetus from them at any point in the, in the game. And that was a very peculiar kind of dichotomy to the game because whereas Everton were very sort of tentative and nervous early on, understandably, um, we sort of were able to play. We were never put under any real pressure, particularly in midfield. And, you know, the game wasn't taken to us. And we didn't really take the game to, to Manchester United that, that much, to be honest. Set up in a very kind of solid way. It was almost like in a away performance in many respects, in the way that Everton set up and went, right, you come and break us down. And United just didn't have the wherewithal um, or the players in any semblance of form to be able to do that. So got the tactics were, were right. Uh, must mention Fabian Delph. I thought he was absolutely magnificent. Um, went off with cramp after 80 minutes, but basically stick him in cryogenic storage, put it, wrap him in cotton wool, do whatever we can to keep him fit because it gave us such a, a solidity that we've been so lacking for so long this season alongside Alan. The only thing is that those two is that it's like playing a table football team where they're basically up looking at each other 10 yards either side and the ball never goes sort of forward nobody's prepared to carry the ball of those two but that's a, a minor minor quibble the, the fundamental point is with them is that they were able to give the defence some protection Fabian Delph won everything tackled you know able to protect the back four allowed Michael Keane to grow into the game a little bit and Ben Godfrey Keane was awful for the first half an hour made a couple of, of very uh, mistakes was positionally sus suspect but did get better as the game went on. Ben Godfrey's performance was absolutely totemic, particularly in the second half. When United were putting a lot of balls into the box and getting a lot of crosses in, he managed to get his head, the two of them between them, managed to get their head to pretty much everything. Vitaly Mikalenko, who I was critical of, but I did mitigate it by saying, obviously, he's come into a, a very difficult situation. But now, and obviously, he's not been, really been in the team. You know, he's played an odd game here or there or come on for 15, 20 minutes or what have you. Whereas now he's got a couple of starts. He's, you know, I think this is the third start on the on the run and starting to get into the game sitting in the league um, and he, he got better as the game went on and although 
we're not quite sure what his, his sort of capabilities as a footballer are as an attacking force. I think he was bought as a defensive left back and his commitment to the cause and his commitment to tackles and getting his foot in when you know United were attacking was absolutely exemplary today. Ditto Seamus Coleman, he almost, almost rolled back the years uh, late on when he burst through slalom through the United midfield and then duffed a pass really, which is a bit unfortunate. But every man jack of them, and I have to single out Alex Awobi for special praise. I mean, he was absolutely outstanding. I mean, I, I commented to the lads around me in the Gladys Street at one stage during the second half, and I said, I've got no idea where he's playing. I said, because he's absolutely everywhere. So it wasn't a criticism. It was just, he was he was that energetic uh, with his performance. It was absolutely brilliant. Um, and... Uh, said that he is one player that has booked the trend in terms of performance level since Frank Lampard has come in. Particularly over the last three or four games, I'll, I'll you know, notwithstanding the mistake that he made last week to give the second goal to West Ham, that could happen to any player, to be fair to him. But his his performance levels overall have been much, much better than Gary, who sat behind me for the last 20 years, said to me, said that, you know, this is his best ever game in an Everton shirt. Arguably, he might well be right, um, but a fair play to him for for you know the the, the sort of the, the criticism that he has suffered and the really lousy form, and and he has eventually you know come good. And if we can harness twenty five performance like that out of him a season, then we've got a real player. You know, he, he put a lovely pass in for Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who's the only player I would say today that does you know did fall below the standards. Everybody else performed brilliantly, Anthony Gordon, Richarlison, uh, the whole gamut of them performed brilliantly. Jordan Pickford was managing the game beautifully from goal in terms of trying to just kill the pace of it as best we could. But uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin didn't offer any sort of physical battle to Harry Maguire and, uh, and Victor Lindelof. And, you know, Harry Maguire's form at the moment is shaky at best. Certainly his confidence levels are, at the very least. And uh, um, there was an opportunity today for him to really kind of put that sort of physical shift in that we know we can do and we've seen him do over the last two, two and a half years. Um, or last two, previous two and a half seasons, not necessarily this season, but he just he just doesn't do it. So he's either obviously still nowhere near fit. And I think, I mentioned Alex Awobi, he would put a pass in with about 10 or 15 minutes to go. Lovely ball just inside the... Um, uh, inside, I think Victor Lindelof inside uh, the uh, Alex Tellers, the left back, and Dominic Calvert-Lewin looked like he was running through treacle. It looked like he was in slow motion. It was chariot to fire esque the speed that he went. I mean, that the Dominic Calvert-Lewin of last season is onto that, and and his uh, a shot on goal and gets it past David Ayer and we're two 0 up. Um, and you know, it, I, I, there's many theories that can be espoused about Calvert-Lewin in terms of does he want to move is he just not fit is he just what what, what it is and that's for another day but today he just didn't provide any real he tried and there were times you're thinking we got behind him when he did get in that and we thought hey hopefully this will jam on but he didn't really um, and we, we need him this, this is a simple fact you know he's not scored obviously since his return from uh, from his injuries he's not even taking penalties now um, as Richarlison took them the other night, but we need to get a couple of goals out of him. They, he is, they are going to be crucial. There are going to be games where he could make that difference. Just one header, or you know, one cross that could make that massive difference, or one assist even from a header or something. Um, so that's something that obviously does need to be worked on. Obviously, ten days now till the Leicester game, so there is time to get more mileage into his his legs. He can rest. He can they can work with him at Finch Farm, and they can hopefully get him somewhere close to full fitness and some some 
some level of match sharpness uh, that he that he desperately needs to to have. Fabian Delph, as I said, needs to be wrapped in cryogenic storage or cotton wool, whatever you want to do, and just we need to get him performing like that for the next eight nine games because if we perform like that, then we can get out of this mess. And I was very sort of. Um, Disconsolate after Wednesday, and I think most of Everton's fan base have been, um, in a way that I don't think when we were really fighting relegation in the in the nineties and ninety, I think you know ninety four and nineteen ninety eight that we thought maybe I was a bit young and naive, probably was, thinking that no, this isn't going to happen. But we'll, 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 something will happen. This is Everton; it won't. Whereas now we're a bit older and a bit wiser, and um, or a lot older and not much wiser and we're thinking actually maybe we're not going to be able to do this um but if that tension from goodison today from the crowd eventually obviously the support came in and we saw the fight and we saw that desire and the explosion at the end of the game um similar to newcastle i suppose that just sort of release of of all of that tension it can happen again against Leicester a week on Wednesday. The pal- I mean, the, the game co- the, the week at the end of the season where we have Watford away, I think on May the eleventh, Brentford at home on the fifteenth, and then Palace at home on the nineteenth, I think of May. Um, that's those three games. Are, I mean, we're hoping that obviously we will have been able to get a couple of results before then. Um, to enable us to sort of just release the pressure valve a little bit. But it just shows those those games, those two home games, the main home games, are absolutely crucial because we can't rely on ourselves getting a point away from home at all. Um, as I record, this Leeds have just beaten Watford by three goals, Stendhal and Vickery Drove, pulling them further away. So it's really between us and Burnley um, as to, you know, where... Uh, who, who, is, who is going down. So... Today, massive, massive result, particularly in the context of bouncing back after, uh, without sounding too partridge uh, after Wednesday night. But it's one result, in the same way that the Newcastle result was one. But it's given us a bit of a breathing space ahead of Burnley, even though obviously they are playing on Sunday against Norwich. Can Norwich do us a favour there at Carroll Road? Who knows? But it's made sure that we're not going into this 10-day break in the bottom three. And that is the crucial, crucial thing. The players obviously were out on their feet and euphoric today in the same way that they were out on their feet and completely disconsolate on on Wednesday night. And that is something that confidence can be carried forward over the course of the next 10 days to come into the Leicester game with, yes, a bit of trepidation, a bit of nerves, of course. But we now think, well, hang on, we've won our last two home games and kept clean sheets in both of them. And we're only losing... Other than the Spurs game, our last four or five league games, the ones we have, we've lost, and we've only lost them by the odd goal. The margins are that fine that we need to make sure we're starting to get on the right side of those margins now, rather than the wrong sides as we have been have been doing. So it's a more rosy picture in the garden. Still nowhere near out the woods. A long way to go. We still need those another three wins, but at least. Um, we, you know, to ensure we can you know retain our Premier League status, but. Things are better than they were 72 hours ago. And, you know, we can at least rest easy now for 10 days and not worry about a game next weekend because we haven't got one with the FA Cup semi-finals being on Crystal Palace, of course, uh, being in that. So that is it. Uh, always good to get your thoughts, as you know, at NMTVPod on Twitter, NMTVPod at gmail.com. Uh, episode 96 uh, will be here uh, after the uh, Leicester game on Wednesday, the uh, 20th of April, or when that will drop. Who on earth knows? Because uh, the following morning, the uh, uh, Cancer Cricket season starts at Emirates Ultra 
Trafford, so I shall be otherwise engaged in that. So we shall try and get the uh, episode up uh, the following evening as best as I can. Uh, but until then, come on, you blues. Come on, you blues.